Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Scribius Pip and this is the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, I'm recording my intro, um, obviously, a little bit in advance and I've just been uh, on Twitter and I'm very self-conscious on this intro because someone called Daniel Wallace has highlighted to me that I say my welcomes with two W's rather than a W and an L. So, you know, W-E-W-C-O-M, welcome rather than welcome. Um, so I just want to apologise for the last um, 35 episodes of poorly enunciated uh, welcomes, but clearly it's not going to change because that's, that's Essex, that's my Essex voice for you. It was interesting me, I'm going to tell a little story now, despite uh, last week doing two full episodes of just me talking, um, I, I haven't had enough of that. Um, when I started to, to come up in, in the music industry, I used to do a lot of gigs with Kate Nash and Jack Pignate and Adele and all that kind of crowd. Um, and when we started to get write ups and reviews, I would, along with the rest of the gang, I would get accused of having a Mockney accent. And I had to just I spent ages defending in interviews and explaining that that's just an Essex accent. <laughs> an Essex accent just sounds like kind of a slightly weaker Cockney accent or a slightly, yeah, I don't know. A poor attempt at a, a Cockney accent. So, yeah, that's the that's the troubles I have to have to encounter there. But um, you know, we're getting on with it. I'm we've now got the UK's number one podcast, so it can't be that bad. An accent. Thank you very much for all the support. Um, it also helped. Obviously, we had some great support from the the BBC news website had us on the front page talking about the podcast. So thank you for all downloading and continuing to support. It means the world. Let's quickly get that support thing in there as well of uh, speech development records, head over there um, and check out my label. I've got t-shirts. I've got all sorts of stuff. It's, it's a genuinely good way for you to support the podcast. Um, yeah, there's 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 tons of stuff. There should be something for for everyone. Even if you're not particularly a Scroobius Pip fan, there should be stuff on there that you like. So if you kind of are sitting there thinking, "Damn, I've downloaded um, well over a day's worth," you know, probably over two days worth of audio for free from you, and it's kept me entertained. I feel I should maybe chip some money and then head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com on. F- Friday, this Friday, I think, um, we should be, if, if they're in in time, we should be launching, um, we've had a lot of demand for the cap, the Scroobius Pip cap um, to come back. So we're getting that back in for the summer. But yeah, loads of good stuff there. Go and check it out. That's all I'm going to say on that. Because this week's podcast is one that, as ever, I'm very excited about. But it's it's a guy called Paul Vickery, who a lot of you won't be familiar with. But I tried to... I'm. I'm going to try and do even more of these because it's got away from me a little bit. And let me explain kind of one of the original plans and reasons for the Distraction Pieces podcast. Um, I'm not sure if I've explained this on the podcast before. It's going to, it's, it'll sound a bit grand to compare myself or us to, you know, uh, Gr- Graham Norton or Jonathan Ross or any of these people. But are those shows have every week have four or five huge stars on huge stars and they get millions and millions of viewers and the reality to me was that 
you know, say they each have four huge Hollywood stars on each week, they could get that same amount of viewers with three of those Hollywood stars and they could fill that extra gap with someone that's just genuinely interesting or, and not to say the Hollywood stars aren't interesting, but someone that genuinely, someone or something that deserves, you know, a light shone on them. And that was the kind of idea behind the Distraction Pieces podcast was, yeah, there will be some famous people you've heard of hopefully talking in a very honest and open manner. But there'll also be just interesting stuff that you might not have heard of. It's it's with great pride that some of the podcasts talked about most have been the Simon Singh podcast, for example, who's an author and mathematician and scientist and amazingly interesting dude. And the Full Fact podcast, which obviously became incredibly relevant um, as the election came up because Full Fact are a, a fact-checking uh, organisation. Um, and Jodie Ann Bickley, who's just got an amazing and beautiful story. So... Um, this week's one is with Paul Vickery, who works at the uh, Prince Charles Cinema in London, which is an independent uh, cinema. And I'm going to I plan to do more of these. I want to talk to John Tolley at Banquet Records, which is a great independent a record store, and kind of give a bit of an insight into, um, yeah, into independent companies and arts kind of movements and cultures that are important to our society and important to support. So. I'm I'm willing to bet that if at this point you're thinking I might not not be interested in this, I'm willing to bet you're you've as you've started the podcast. I know that this interview was engaging enough that you will get all the way to, uh, to the end. It was an amazing chat. It's a it's, it's someone I work with. I do my my film club at the Prince Charles, um, and yeah, a great insight into into independence as cinema and why it should be supported and why it's important um, and all these things. Um, obviously, one thing I will say, I've said um a lot in this intro, so um, that's something I will say. But one thing I will say as well is, oh, whilst it's um, a seemingly valiant um, cause to try and put on people who aren't as big a, a name and talk about important subjects rather than just, who's a celebrity?, they also are the ones that I need your support more on. So if you listen and enjoy this, if you can tweet about it, push it, rate us on iTunes, all all that kind of thing to, to, to push us up there and review us on iTunes and all that, then it really helps um, get it out there. Because the reality is there'll be a lot of people unlike you who just scroll, scroll through the podcast list and look at the names and go for who they who they're familiar with and again i've seen this with the simon singh one um i'm trying to think there's there's been some others as well that have been hugely popular which people didn't really know about them in advance but they have all happened through word of mouth through people saying wow you know if you're into if you're into cinema if you're into films you should probably have a listen to this you you know it's interesting you might be surprised so yeah if you can all spread the word, that'll be hugely appreciated. This is now one of the longest intros I've ever done, so I'm going to stop this immediately and let you enjoy Distraction Pieces podcast episode 36 with Paul Vickery. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Don't, don't make me lose my job. I'll, I'll try not to make you lose your job. Um, 
we have begun. I'm joined today by Mr. Paul Vickery of the Prince Charles Cinema. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, it was a short... This is the shortest trip anyone's had to make for the podcast because you're literally across Leicester Square from where we're recording. So Yeah, I think it was 36 seconds door to door. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Um, so, yeah, th- thank you for making that monumentous <laughs> effort. Um, I'll quickly give a kind of brief introduction. We'll, we'll go into a lot of stuff, but... Um, you work at and are one of the the, the the bookers, essentially, I guess, for the Prince Charles yeah. Cinema, which is a cinema just off Leicester Square. Um, it's where I, I do my film club, and we'll get on to how that came about, because I do feel it was through your annoyance of my constant <laughs> attacking on Twitter. So so we'll get to that. But it's it's the thing, the reason I wanted to talk about it is it's, number one, it's independent. You know, it's a small cinema. It's not... And number two, it's location. Like, there's tons of cool small cinemas around uh, the country. But this one's on fucking Leicester Square, where there's the biggest... The, it's all the West End cinemas, so yeah. it's... I mean, it's, it's such an interesting location in that it's where every major chain has a spot, and then there's us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's exciting and beautiful about it, the fact that you're still open and thriving, and, you know, you've got a lot of a, a lot of love. Um and we'll come on to as well how how I feel the Prince Charles kind of... Again, this could just be my own a, a romantic th- th- thoughts here. In fact, we'll go into this now. I keep, I, I keep wanting to get to the film club, but this isn't just an advert for the <laughs> film club. Although on my notes of questions to ask you, I do have a list one? of our upcoming dates. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be getting to that. But um, yeah, I think what blew, blew me away and made me fall in, in love with the Prince Charles was rather than going right... In reality, we can't compete. There's these crazy, uh, huge cinemas and things like IMAX and 3D and all these new things that started to come in are huge expenses. So for an independent and smaller place, that's a tough thing. And what I kind of saw was the Prince Charles go, right, realistically, on the big blockbuster new releases, we can't compete. They're on Leicester Square, all singing, all dancing. They're the biggest cinemas. But... There's a lot of amazing cinema, from independent cinema to to, to, to to older films that people haven't seen in the cinema or haven't seen in a while. So that seemed to be the Prince Charles seemed to be one of the first to kind of carve their niche out in in doing exactly that. Yeah, I think that was. I mean, the history of the building was um, playing off release. That was yeah. that's pre when I worked there. Yeah. Um, so that would just mean playing six to eight weeks after its initial right. run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way that the film movement went then, back then was that um, there were so many films coming out that films moved around real quickly, but it just knew that after six weeks or eight weeks, sometimes longer, they would eventually end up at the Prince Charles Cinema and yeah. then we would have we were one screen and we would show four, sometimes five different films every day. Right. So across the span of a week, we'd have those same five films playing every day. They'd just play at different times, so right. you'd always yep, have a sure. chance to catch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we effectively just gave films a longer release run, um, yeah. and we would be able to charge a, uh, a lower price because of rentals. So you'd, yeah, you'd pay a little course. bit less because the film's been out for a while, and, yeah. and so that was a uh, that was like the, how the um, how the building managed to position itself, being on Leicester off Leicester Square, yeah, um, and 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 existing. So and still competing, as, yeah, as, essentially, and that's a gr- a, a great thing too. Because again, particularly then, <clears throat> there was at times huge weights for stuff to go from from cinema to, to, to DVD and whatnot. And even now, I think, you notice films getting 
smaller and smaller r- runs in the cinema. Like there's certain films that will be have their main run. It will be a few weeks. It will be, yeah. you know, you've had that push and then it's on to the next thing. So it was good then, I'd imagine, to yeah to have that opportunity to extend these things. And- yeah, that was it. And the, the guy who owned the place, who still owns the place, that was what he saw that gap in that market was there's that point between cinema and home home release yeah. that nobody's filling really yeah. Uh, yeah. especially in this part of part of the city so yeah. that's why he stepped in and that's what how how the building became what it was yeah. um, what it is so i mean we still show films off release a little closer now but i think that's that's becomes a little closer because of that release window yeah. is just getting smaller and smaller yeah yeah, yeah. Like exactly films are being released now with you know pre-order links being posted everywhere for blu-rays like yeah almost like it's well, i mean as well with the new i, I keep noticing on, on 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 sky movies they have certain smaller releases mm. that are in cinema now like they'll have it for a few days and i it annoyed me again it was it, it paid off for you guys in the end because it was annoying me because something oh what did i come and see there the the uh jake gillenhall oh, one the enemy yeah the enemy that had it was on it was suddenly on on sky but they only had it there for like one day so i went to watch it and then it was gone and i emailed them about it and they were like no it's gone so i ended up as again we will get onto the film club but often before the film club i come and watch a film either either with you guys or whatever so it was one then that i ended up pleased that i was forced to go and and witness it in the in the cinema um i want to talk about how you your experience of starting working there and things like that. But I want to quickly conf- confess my early experiences of the Prince Charles as well, because the guy who owns it, I assume, still was also either owned or associated with a Robbins yeah, cinema in Basildon. It, yeah. And that was um, 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 my local cinema, which I liked. And again, they would they were the first and only in my area to do all-nighters and Halloween all-nighters and stuff like that. Um, but I was also a cheap and poor boy from Essex so so when I was in London I, I, I was racking my brain before I had to think of the name I'd, I'd go in and say that I've left my staff card at home but I'm a member of staff at Robbins and I knew the name of a guy that worked there and his name was Sam Nichols and I barely know the guy <laughs> I've t- talked to him to he, he doesn't know he wouldn't know that I, I would always go in and say uh, Sam Nichols um, I left my card and I'd get a comp or or, or whatever the reduced Oh, so you, was. You, you, you do that at the Prince Charles? I do it at so. the Prince Charles because oh, yeah. they were. You could still get it if you were staff yeah. at Eva, and I'd say, "Oh, I haven't got my card. I didn't expect to be in London. I work at that." But they would be able to then check a name or whatever because they wouldn't know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I started off blagging on my way into the Prince Charles. Um, how did you start off there? You started at, at, the, at the the bottom, right? Yeah. Um, I I started. I mean, I, the, I used to be. Um, Working in the film industry as a, an assistant director on feature films and music videos mm-hmm. uh, and TV commercials, um, and the nature of freelance work—you know, not every week I was working—and um, yeah. the weeks I weren't working, I tend to go to the Prince Charles to watch films uh, because it was cheaper, and that off-release thing suited me because of the nature of my work. Yeah, um, but I didn't like in the free, the downtime for freelance having no schedule whatsoever. Yeah. So one one day I got an email of the weekly listings from the Prince Charles, and right at the bottom it said. Um, looking for ushers and front of house staff, uh, send a CV in. So I did, had an interview. And in my interview, I told them I'm freelance. So Monday to Fridays, usually some work pops up. Yep. Um, and thankfully, the, the, the people who interviewed me seemed to want to hire me. Um, and they said, well, we can give you weekend work. You give you two shifts at the weekend. Yeah. You can just have those and then pick up any in the week. So I just started as a, a weekend usher. Every I think every Sunday afternoon was my weekly shift. Double, yeah. 
from open till close. And, and is is the main of because again, I'm one of the only f- in my group of friends who've never worked in a cinema because I have a, a Robbins or a local Odeon. Yeah, is part of the appeal just getting to watch, or do you get to watch tons of films as an usher? Because obviously, yeah. I guess you get to see the beginning and end of a lot of films. Yeah, and then... I used to work in a, a multiplex when I was at university, yeah. um, and that was very much a... I'd seen a film, but I would see it in chunks. four different yeah. chunks, yeah, and yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah. not in the right order. Um, just because of the nature, you'd have to do checks, screen checks, 10 minutes in this one, 10 minutes in that one, 10 minutes in that one. Um, but with when I came to the Prince Charles, it was everyone getting in the morning... And the front of house team would be like, oh, I want to watch this one, and I want to watch that one, and I want to watch that one. So you'd you'd get to yeah. throughout the day sit through a whole film and make sure yeah. make yeah, sure yeah, everything yeah. was fine, picture, sound, and audience. But also, you get to sit in there for get an entire film, sit there and watch a film. Yeah. That's, so that's my handy. first my first shift my for my training, I got I had to watch Grindhouse. Amazing. So, um, yeah, which was I was just like, wow, this is sitting there watching Grindhouse on a Sunday afternoon. I was like, yeah, I, I, I can get used to this. This is, this is, this this is, is quite a good nice. job. This is a good, this is perfect Sunday job. And, 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 and how quickly did that, or did you climb to where you are now, kind of where I've you're, been there, you're I, putting on and planning a lot of I stuff? I was trying to figure that out the other day because I started with, um, there's one other person who's still there that started the same week I did. I mean, there's mm. some people that have been there longer than us, but and we, we think it's like six and a half years ago that was. Yeah. Um, so it's when we were still a single screen cinema. Yeah. Still doing the one pound uh, like afternoon films um, and yeah it just sort of slowly grew from me just working on a Sunday my freelance work I started to fall out of love with working on TV commercials mm-hmm. so I was like I want to do more Prince Charles stuff And well, I was gonna, I mean I was, I was going to say if it was around six or so years ago then also the idea of having a career in music videos will have yeah. dropped <laughs> just when the budget's completely dropped out of yeah. music videos and all you know the music ch- channels essentially became less relevant and music videos were more or less being made now for YouTube, which doesn't have a lot of revenue, therefore the budgets dramatically dropped out. That's, I mean, that's why I initially got into that side of the industry. I wanted to work in music video. I wanted to make music videos and work on music videos. It it was the perfect marriage of my love of music and film. Yeah. Um, And I was really lucky. I I worked in a pre, like in a production office. Yeah. um, Managed to make some good friends there. And when I went freelance, I worked on, I worked on music, even now, like it blows my mind that my first music video I ever worked on was Block Party's The Prayer. Oh, wow. That's, directed by that's, Walter Stern. That's my, that's my favourite Block Party song. That was, I mean, admittedly, it rose tinted my view of the industry. It was three, uh, like, eight to ten hour day shoots. Wow. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, there was, there was money for that. Um, yeah. And it was a great video, great yeah. first experience. And I was like, this is what I want to do forever. And then as I went, and that and that's prime time uh, for block party as well because it's not necessarily, or it probably is when they're at their peak. But it was certainly at that point where they're already established, so the yeah. money's there. It was. I mean, so it's, the yeah. budget was probably one of the biggest ones of any I worked on. Yeah. Um, and then I worked straight from that one. I went on to a Damien Rice video, Wicked. which was seemingly, uh, obviously, seemingly at the time where everything was really big. The budget was 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 good and. The facilities and everything was great, and I was just like, "Wow, this this is great! I love this." And then I did a few standard music videos, which were eighteen to twenty-four hour days, not much money. Yep. But I loved it. I loved yeah. everything about it. I would do two or three videos back to back in a week uh, yeah. on awesome. any shoot, just because I loved it so much. But yeah, then then all of a sudden, a few videos started to highlight to the industry that it doesn't necessarily need to be spectacle; it just needs to be really interesting, which is great. Like there, yeah. there, even now, there's some really great videos being made, but they're the budgets aren't that people can earn a, a living we, on. Are we fucked a, a lot of people up with <laughs> making a deal of the fact that Thou Shout was 
two hundred pounds. Interdiction yeah, but, was a hundred pounds, but that was because it was but the idea with friends was key. and the passion was there. So yeah, it's, it's a difference. People don't don't realize because we talk about them a lot. But every video after they'll shout with with me and Dan cost more and people started to have to be paid because yeah. you'll do a certain amount j- just for for the love but that doesn't that's not never yeah. ending and same with introduction introduction was 100 pounds but the rest of the videos on that you know r- run were you know at least over a grand which is still a micro micro budget for a music yeah. video but still they're climbing up and up yeah I mean, um, I, as you go along yeah and i think when you and once you start working in production on that side you get so into it that quite happily working for free yeah. uh, when you can and helping people, yeah. like first-time directors, getting their shoots together. And, you know, as an AD, my, my job was largely just helping scheduling, getting people ready and stuff. It was but it, long, hard it's days. It's basically herding f- flouncy, arty directors who have got, got wonderful <laughs> yeah. ideas. But no, it, I always think ADs, it's one of the most important things, particularly when we're early on working with a, a Nick Frew who did Thou Shout and the Beat of My Heart skipped and things like that. The AD he had at that point... It was amazing because Nick, I still think, is an absolute genius, but he's also got so many hmm. crazy wild ideas that he needed a kind of angry little man to go, right, we've got that. We don't need to, sh- to shoot that five more times. We're let's not going to get that better. Let's move along and things like that. So, yeah, yeah underrated I, role. Yeah, it was. But the thing, I mean, I got into it because I was more creatively minded, but I was just like, I'll, I'll do any job on any, yeah. and, and, and any music video. Um which did mean I, I built up a pretty good CV for that. And, yeah. and then, but then as the budget started to go down... It's the names of jobs as, as well that put people off. I genuinely think a good runner is essential, like really can make or break a video, yeah. yet tons of people are like, oh, I don't want to be the runner. No, so, the, no, no, that's, 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 it, not, that's wrong. You're I getting that wrong. It's the, part, everyone is in, you know, everyone's yeah. important in this. But I think one thing that's... Um, I, re- I loved being a runner, especially yeah. on music videos. It's the one role you can have in production on a set where you can... You can dip into every department, learn about yeah. what everyone does. And that was how I saw it. Like, I wanted to work on everything because I wasn't sure if I wasn't going to be a director, what else was there that I could do? So it would speak to, you know, DOPs and camera assistants, mm-hmm. focus pullers, gaffers, grips, every like get to yeah. know what everyone does, help out. And then you figure it out that way. Yeah, and, and also as a runner, if everything goes wrong, unless you actually break something or lose something, yeah. you're never the one who's, you know, if a bad music video it's gets made, they don't go, really oh, it's because the runner didn't make the, the cup of tea. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's something else. Yeah. No, uh, that's a play. great point. It's, 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 you're involved in everything, but, but, but don't have the pressure that anyone else has yeah. particularly. The only, the only pressure is you've got to be there first and leave last. Yeah. As long as you can maintain your energy, you yeah. know, a few, few minutes, you might want to pop off and take a nap somewhere where no one's looking, but as yeah. long as you yeah, yeah, work yeah. your day, then, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, which is one thing, like, I've got, you know, I work with people at the cinema and, and, and people I've just come across and they want to work in that industry and they're like, oh, yeah, but no, I don't want to, don't want to be a runner. So you, once you start stepping up and responsibility starts getting huge, yeah. I mean, as much as, as great as that is, that freedom of movement and, yeah. and, and, just, and just being again, part of everything. V- v- very few people get to start anything at the top. That's not really how it works. Yeah, you know, I, mean, go, I just want to be... I want um, to be a director. And director... It. A lead actor, you know, it's just, I yeah. don't, I'm not really up for anything other than that. I mean, that's kind of a, a you know misgiving of film score. It's like everyone in a, in a, in your production classes, you go, who's going to direct? Who's going to edit? Who's going to? So it's all heads of department jobs. There's yeah. nothing else. Nobody wants to do lights when you're at film school. No one wants to do sound. Yeah. No one wants. To, no one knows what an AD is really. Yeah. Um, but there are all these other like amazing jobs within departments that people never even realise exists. Yeah. And then once you get onto the set, you're like, wow, that's a thing. Again, and there's all the thing. stuff that people don't want to do. But- Tom, who I direct a lot of the the music videos with and have worked with on on loads of stuff, he's got two 
two young boys and I'm always t- t- telling him, start training them as goalies because no one wants to be a goalie. You, you, yeah. you, you've got a better chance of having an England player in, in your family <laughs> if you start from a young age because goalies always start as something else and then end up being the goalie and it's you know it's a it's a last choice whereas if from the start you get them and it's a similar thing it's like choose those areas that yeah. you don't there's not all this competition for because you'll get you, you you will become part of the crew easier yeah and that's the first step becoming part of that yeah and i think also it, yeah just the the days i've cherished the most on any film set i've worked on um yeah have been my days as a runner yeah. so much fun i mean hard work real hard work yeah, but course. just it's just fun like how can how can you complain about working for 20 hours when it's with a, a band that you really love and a director that you admire yeah you, you're getting bussed around but yeah like, step back and just what you're seeing is just it, insane i think it allows you to keep everything in ch- in check as as well just having that kind of i'm just ha- i'm just happy to be here Phil. Yeah. and as soon as you start even if it's unintentional as soon as they start to say oh you you've got this title you're suddenly like well you know do they deserve to have me am i you know you you, you can suddenly <laughs> yeah, get that you, kind of you thing start of you elevate your position yeah and it's like in general i think it's great to be i'm 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 doing uh, uh, some film stuff at the moment which i still can't talk about in any any detail but me and one of the main guys i'm i've i've been with this guy fergal the whole time are just like Oh, it's great to be here, isn't it? Like, I, I, we had a, a night shoot the other night, and we were generally getting to the point where, like, we think they might cut our scene. And again, it'd be completely like having just directed music videos—a world of difference from mm. f- f- from cinema. Just thinking they might cut our scene, but we were still sitting there like, it's a good fucking Friday night, though, isn't it? We've you know we've got to stand on set yeah. and watch all of this and do all this amazing stuff. It's like if they cut our scene, it will be shit. But you know, it's, it's still pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Like one bit of advice I started to give to runners when I reached that point where I knew I was going to start to figure something else. I mean, I was quite fortunate. I did it started it when I was quite young, yeah. so I was still of an age when when I was trying to figure out if I went to stay or not. I would speak to producers and directors that I knew, and they were like, "You're at an age now where if you don't want it, you should change now because you know once you get into your, your late thirties yeah. and stuff, you're just." It's hard to switch an industry. I mean, it's yeah. not not yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, not yeah, as much yeah. as it felt like it would be. But sure. um, yeah. So, but the one I knew I was stepping out. That was my advice always to to anyone entering into it. Was like whenever you just feel overwhelmed, and it does. It gets really you know any creative industry like deadlines and pressure is is constant. Yeah. Um, I was like, just step back, and and yeah, you've been working for a twenty hour day, but then when you just when you go get a cup of tea, just look at what you, your environment, and it's like it's either this or an office all day long yeah. or something that could be you could just like strip everything that you love about yourself away from you yeah or do you want to be exhausted but looking out and there's a film camera and there's a crew and there's yeah. actors and there's like this amazing stuff happening yeah exactly so yeah i mean I'm, i sound like i miss it i really do sometimes but um <laughs> those i mean those those experiences were great um but i did make the right choice because i'm i think i'm happier now doing what i do yeah. than i was then completely so you you're you're working essentially part-time as an usher and hoping to be more full-time as as a as a freelancer yeah. but that's kind of you then at what point did you kind of go right actually i'm really enjoying the bit that i'm doing part-time and not enjoying so much yeah the sitting around chasing work or you know it was i think it 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 started to well the bills started to come in and i wasn't going for the freelance work as much so i started to pester the management at the cinema like can you yeah. give me any extra shifts i'll put my name on the board i'll just be in there as much as i could um, but then I also met, my, obviously I'd met the owner and, and the general manager of the place mm. um, and just got talking to them, but very, very much 
I mean, he still says it to this day, like the, one, the way that when I first started and he was there, I just walked into the office, not like barged in or anything, but just yeah. I walked in and introduced myself um, just because it's polite. Like, to me, it's yeah. just been polite. And he said, like, oh, not a lot of people do just come in and say, like, you know, I'm the boss and everything else. I said, no, yeah. no, no. So I built up kind of a nice early rapport from my days yeah, from the start. And then there's um, members of the team left and there was a nice, and I was like, I, I, I really like doing this. What more can I do? But there's not, more, you know, it's a small, more small team, small yeah. venue. Um, but yeah, as people started to leave, I was like, "Can I? Can I do a little bit of what they did? Can I do a little bit of what they did?" And slowly yeah. p- take little pieces of of people's g- 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 gradually killing off the rest of the team. To, yeah, one by to... one of those all night horror movie marathons. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. yeah. So, and I just was. I just. I never knew that film programming was something that existed. Like, yeah. I, I know it sounds weird, um, but knowing that there was someone making decisions of, of those. You just think, like, a film comes out, it goes it's in a cinema. It's not you think about, obviously. It's just... Because you just take it yeah. for granted. Like, films are in cinemas. Um, but once I was opened up to this, there are people who sit down, make these decisions, spend their own time watching as much as they can to yeah. get a greater understanding, um, learning about audience to try and both give films that you think that they would like and also ones that they do want. Mm-hmm. Um, it, blew, it blew me away. Like, it was something that... When I when I learned about that and I started to look around London at, and really pay attention to what was going on rather than just, just sort of plugging into it when yeah. it sort of suited yeah, me, of course. I was like, yeah, I want I want to do more of this. I want to do more of this. Yeah. And then the boss was like, bring me one event, bring me one thing, and we'll see how see how you like, see how you do, see if you yeah. like it. So I put on a film, um, a film called No Fun City, uh, which is a documentary set in Vancouver, and it's about the punk and hardcore music scene. And it being driven out of the city due to gentrification, right? Yeah. Um, and this was four or five years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously, a topic still relevant yeah. to today. Yeah, of course. But um, I just randomly, I was in Vancouver whilst they were filming, and a few people I'd met there said I told them that I worked in film and a bit of the cinema stuff. And they said, "Oh, you should be in touch with these people." So I got and found them because stayed in touch. They gave me the film. They're like, "Yeah, we'll do a premiere. We'll, we'll screen it at the Prince Charles. That sounds great." Anything else you want to do? I was like, "You know what? If we're gonna..." If we're going to put on a film about punk and hardcore music, which is the scenes that I grew up yeah. in, can't not have music present, live music present. Yeah, of course. Um, and I still don't know how I convinced the boss to do this. But before the band, sorry, before the film, I had a two-piece noise core band called Championship Hardcore Fighters yeah. playing our bar. Playing the bar, so fantastic. So if you've never been to the Prince Charles, our bar has a capacity of maybe 30 to 40 comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's tight down there. It's real tight at the, at the, at the quietest of times. Yeah. Um, so I put a two-piece noise core band in there. Um, and then we showed the film. Then after it, had a band called Shield Your Eyes, um, yep. a London band, a still going, and they're amazing. And they played after. And so I structured this event, pitched it to him. He was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Um, which is one thing that always drives kind of behind the scenes of the cinema. He's like, what, what's fun? Like, if yeah. you're going to bring us an event... Um, like it's, if it's fun, then usually like nine times out of ten, they're up for giving it a go. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, we take ourselves seriously around the program, but also fun is kind of ki- also in this market. Well, you want to have fun. Well, that's what I think. That's what has always appealed to me with the Prince Charles is the 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 feeling of the fun element there makes it not some exclusive. Yeah, um, like it's community f- film nerd club. You know, I love occurs on and things like that but that feels very much like you're going there and it's a serious time and you need to really take some time to take in these serious Mm. deep films whereas the prince charles 
will have a lot of great independent cinema, great world cinema, but they'll also have a Mean Girls quote along. And yeah. if you don't know, Mean Girls is one of the best films ever made. It's just not this super uber indie credible thing. Yeah, I think it's just striking a balance. So it's, we will show, you know, 95% of the films we show are, are meant to be seen as they're meant to be seen. You sit quietly yeah. and you watch. Completely, yeah. Um, but we like to have fun. So at the weekends we do have interactive events and, you know, we're the home of the sing-along and yep. uh, and we do these interactive Which, events. again, is another thing that's bl- bl- blown up more and more now, but it was really I always associated with Prince Charles. It, I mean, the sing-alongs, the all-nighters and things like that were all things I kind of see as yeah. the Prince Charles being... I don't know, it's hard to say the originator of because I'm sure it's hard to gauge who did yeah, what I mean, first, but I think it's, it's certainly just, the home of a lot of those things. Yeah, making cinema fun and interactive in mm. that in that um within the environment that the only environment that films were shown then. You know, now yeah. now that you can see films in so many different ways, but back then it was at home on your T V yeah. or in a cinema. So that sing along thing was about trying to take that home how you would with your mates experience it and take it and yeah. have it with three, five hundred people yeah. in a cinema. So, I mean, again, I'm, it feels like I'm nerding out and just uh, pl- plugging all your events, but things like the <laughs> the Beer and Pizza Club was one that, again, I just instantly resonated. It's like, that's that's beautiful that you just... It, and again, like I say, it's, it's films that are just... I think the one I saw, um, I listed the first time I saw it, was something like Con Air. Something that's just like, that's just a great film. Again, it's not a important classic piece of independent cinema or, or whatever, but it's a great film and with a... Beer and a slice of pizza in your hand. Yeah, that's pretty damn I mean, good. That's, that's how. Um, that's how to. You know, that's how. At that time, I felt that's how to present this film. I think we did them on Sunday nights, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, what would you want to do at the end of your week? I want to watch a movie. I want to have a pizza and I want to have a beer. So let's do that in a cinema. That was kind of like yeah. the catalyst of it. Yeah. Um, and as I said, that's how everything sort of goes. So when I, as I say, when I pitched that film and the two bands thing, my boss was like, "That sounds like fun. Let's do it." So I started. With my background being in uh, um, like production stuff, I had no idea how to do publicise events. And yeah, yeah. So I just did what I'd seen every gig. I've, I've printed up flyers, I've posters, had them up at Rough Trade and um, yeah. Sister A and everywhere else like that, and flyed at gigs. Um, just didn't know how to get a film crowd. I mean, this was kind of early days of Facebook and yeah. and Twitter. I don't think we even had a Twitter at the time. Um, so it was like really grassrootsy, yeah. message drowned in sound message boards and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and before I knew it, we had like 250 people coming down Amazing. to watch this unknown documentary about a very small yeah. subculture in Canada. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. And it went absolutely nuts. We had, yeah, we had, sure we broke many fire, uh, health and safety, <laughs> uh, by, uh, you know, things that evening. And uh, But yeah, it was great. And that, that ended up being the start, like the start of everything. So yeah. the next day I came in. Actually, I took the day off because I was out celebrating all night because everything went to plan. And then yep. when I went back in, my boss was like, did you enjoy that? And I was just, yeah, I, did, I just completely fell in love yeah. with this idea of taking something and, and 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 putting an event around it and giving it to an audience. Yeah, yeah. So that was the start. And then he was like, well, what do, we, what do you want to do next? So uh, it, it and I sort of had an idea of uh, the sing-along of films that we do, um, you know, like Grease and Dirty Dancing and yep. stuff. Great movies. Um, I wanted films that I loved growing up to to experience in the same way. So I was like, we should do like an event for Wayne's World. Yeah, um, perfect choice. I was like, it's got songs in it to sing along to, quotes, costumes. It's just it it screams Prince Charles to me. I'm, yeah, it just it would be great. Um, and then they, again, they were like, yeah, well, it sounds fun. Let's do it. And we did it, and it was a success. And and the and then from that, 
that side of that program started to grow. So the weekend became largely geared towards having fun on a Friday and Saturday yeah. night with films. So we had you know Labyrinths and Mean Girls, Anchorman and stuff like that. Again, it's a it's a great idea of bringing people back to the cinema experience in that way of changing essentially what the cinema experience is it's like right it's basically saying so you maybe don't want to spend your friday or saturday night in the cinema unless 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 you're on a date because you see the cinema as a quiet place it's like well well, how about are we put on films that it's a weekend it's a night out yeah and again the fact is films are exactly that it's just the cinema at points became a scary setting for that. The fact is, after a night out, if you're all going back to a mate's house, you'll probably sling a, f- a film on when you get there and just enjoy it and laugh and be r- 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 raucous. So, you know, yeah. providing that as an option, again, n- not always. I'm at my film club, I'm very strict on people <laughs> not looking at their phones, not, you know, I'm a, yeah. I, 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 no fil- I watch no most of yeah. my cinema, I have most of my cinema visit in the daytime because I prefer very few people to be there and um yeah my own space and silence yeah i think that's the um, one which was kind of the theme f- for our last film club until we just got a few more in at the last minute it was almost <laughs> the same setup of very few people there but it turned out in the end um but yeah let's well so w- w- what events did you have a path after that and did uh, are the all-nighters did they naturally become kind of often fancy dress, often things. It, it seemed to be a thing that kind of, it reminds me of when uh, Rob Bank started doing Best of All and they had a fancy dress day on Sunday and then now you go to Best of All and all weekend there's people <laughs> in fancy dress and even if they banned fancy dress they couldn't do a thing about it. It's, so It's become bigger than the thing itself. Yes. Almost. So, so did that start to become a thing? Because I remember I went to the the Batman all-nighter um, and there was a lot of people, not necessarily in full fancy dress, but certainly... In, Bat- in homages, yeah, a lot and, of Batman t-shirts, a lot of tributes and um, I think, support. So I think the, I mean, I think the thing people find with when they come to see films at the Prince Charles is you, you can be safe in how much you love that film. Yeah, um, like no judgments, no, yeah. no, no, nothing. Like if you love Batman, you want to come watch Batman, you want to dress up as Batman, do it. Like come and do that's it. completely it. fine. We, yeah, we we support that. That's completely fine. Don't be texting Robin halfway through the movie. Yep, no. But, like, come dressed as Batman. It's totally fine. On that. Yeah, so as long as the behaviour is fine, how people want to come is... It's a fascinating thing with the all-nighters anyway because, I mean, there's got to be a level of, of, you know, people have to be allowed essentially to fall asleep at points if they need to because it's an all-nighter. Yeah, did, but, you, you, know, did you fall asleep during the Batman one? Um, I scheduled sleep but didn't have it. <laughs> All right. I, I scheduled it for... Um, the first of the new of of the Nolan Batman films because basically it was um it was the original like nineteen the Adam six, West yeah the, the, the Adam West one which somehow I hadn't seen and it was it's like a Naked Gun film or Police Squad and it's like so, so funny with an so audience well, as well. yeah it was that was probably the uh, uh, the highlight I went along with my Chris a few others with Polar Bear because and he only came for the two um. A Tim Burton ones because he was like he loved them they're, mm. they're his favourite films and to see them in the cinema again and it, again it is it's, 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 an, it's, an, it's an amazing experience so it was a them three and then then the three Nolan ones and I'd chosen out of that lot the first of the Nolan ones as my sleep point because I thought right I saw that in the cinema anyway um, I didn't want to miss um, 
the second or third, you know, so I kind of, I balanced you it out like that. It. I didn't end up get, getting to sleep anyway. I ended up kind of f- fighting sleep th- through all of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, with the all night, I think um, with the all night, it just comes down to prep. The first few that we did, I, I was just, would go to bed at my normal time on a Friday, wake up at normal time on a Saturday and just go and try, and it, I just failed miserably. It's hard work, man. So, um, I, yeah, shifting that sleep pattern a little if you can. Yeah. But one of the biggest um, biggest tips that I found f- through speaking to people, a medic came to one screening once, wow. not not need, just as a, as a, as a yeah. customer, yeah. Uh, and she advised our staff um, to drink water and eat fruit. Um, use yeah. those as your source of, uh, of hydration and energy. Yeah. You know, I mean, she, I'd argue sh- she has no idea about s- cinema going. Oh, That's no, the opposite no, yeah, yeah. of what a cinema <laughs> is I mean, meant to be about. You're meant to have the biggest cup of pop you've ever seen and some kind of popcorn or yeah, hot dog chemical or, energy yeah. fusion jesus let's um, not bring science into it as, might as well stay at home love yeah so <laughs> but that was an interesting um so the next one i tried it but also which is um which which she suggested was uh take a toothbrush and some toothpaste because at three four o'clock in the morning brushing your teeth will just it makes you feel like it's like psychologically um, psychologically wakes you up, yeah, I guess, yeah. it feels like your day's starting again or that's so interesting. Just, that's a good. good so that's tip. become I like, like that whenever one. someone emails the cinema, I'm like, have you got any tips for the all nighter? Like, yeah, bring some bring some food along. Um, I like that. But fruit is real good, and, and water is real good. And brush your teeth. Yeah. And now it seems that that's slowly becoming like the, there'll be that point around three or four o'clock in the morning a during theme. the breaks, so you just see people queuing up for the toilet to brush their teeth. And it's always it's always nice to see as well the um, there's you'll often post a photo online of who's who's made it till the end, who's survived. Mm. Um, and that's always a nice kind of... It becomes a trophy and a, a, a goal to get yeah. to get to the end. So that's always a, yeah, some of them a are, nice thing to see. Some of them are, kind of, are, are curated in a way that's almost... Like, I think the Batman one um, is kind of tough because those three at the end, they're quite... You almost kind of want to end with the Adam West one because yeah. it's a bit more... Yeah, a bit more... Yeah. Pick up the, your energy. It, it starts... A, a light and funny and just gradually gets darker and darker and more serious <laughs> yeah. so that's kind of that's hard work but. so so i think that does have some play with it but also length you know we've done we just recently did the first three that were well, the only three hobbit movies and lord of the rings movies back to back over i think it's like 19 to 20 hours give or take yeah damn which is no matter what films or the number of films yeah. you put in there is going to be tough yeah. so we do try and aim to not go too long i mean yeah. that one was just the amount of requests we'd had for it had to be yeah. had to be something we'd done yeah. we'd do. Are um, you concerned at the amount, the the the, the unrelenting amount of of Marvel films coming out? Because I know you've done kind of back to backs, building up oh, to Avengers before. Yeah, there's going to be a point where we have to put aside a week to get every Iron Man, Hulk, by the time, yeah, all in that? order, Avengers, Ant Man. By the time of Infinity Wars, it will literally be. We're going to start on Monday, and then we've got Infinity Wars two on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, we're we, we, we so have, down for that as well. It's so good. Give it a try. I mean, we're, we're going to be doing the Avengers uh, once the Phase two is complete. Yeah. as a one and two back to back, which I think right, will yeah. end up being 20, 20 plus hours. Nice. Um, but the longest marathon we've ever had wasn't actually a film one. It's when we did Lost. We, we screened oh, the right. entirety of Lost nonstop. Um, oh, wow. I think it was six and a half days it went on for. The building was open <laughs> constantly for six and a half days. Brilliant. Where people, I think only 12 people finished, or maybe 22 finished it. Um, but it was that, now that is... That's amazing. That's dedication. That's, that's people taking yeah. time off from work. That's yeah. people really, there was one guy who... That's as impressive as it is 
depressing. Yeah, yeah. In, in equal measure. <laughs> he there's one guy who <laughs> I was really impressed by because he never once left the downstairs. Like he stayed in the oh, screen wow. and went to the toilet but didn't see sunlight for the week. I mean by the end of it he did look like he was going to die as soon yeah. as he'd step outside. But um he, he was some next level of dedication. Yeah, that's an to the impressive. Course. That's impressive. That will ever do something right that long. Yeah, again. That that's was, kind of intense. That was a that was a one off. Well, let's. I mean, I've teased it. Let's talk about how how my film club kind of came about there, and the way I saw it is basically as I beat you into submission over over Twitter because I I started following you guys and not living in London. It was often. Um, enjoying it all vicariously you go oh fuck I wish there was a cinema near me that put on these kind of things and there was a, a one particular one where I think you had I could be wrong I think you had a looper and inception and one other I can't think what it was oh um oh god that's gonna get me now yeah we because we that was, Cause it, was we it was movie a, mathematics a looper nights and ex, yeah a looper inception and one other and something had to be pulled and you were then people were voting on what to one, yeah. and I was just simply saying look all your little film nerd followers are going to say Primer because film nerds love Primer. But the reality is people watch Primer to be able to say, I've seen Primer. No one really enjoys it. Or, or, or at least, I know, I did enjoy it, but no one wants to watch it a second time. There's not, It's not one you go, oh, I'll pop that in. And I wanted you to go with Time Crimes, which I think is hugely underrated. And that was before it had its kind of... It had a bit of a Netflix yeah. a, a re-immersion. Um, and yeah, I kind of argued that. I, I wanted either Time Crimes. Oh, that was... It was Twelve Monkeys was the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So I was also suggesting a, a, a Legite, which obviously is short, but it's what Twelve yeah, Monkeys yeah. claims they took their kind of inspiration from. Um, and I was was hassling you on that and arguing for ages in a friendly way. And you kind of turned around and went, "Do you want to look? Do you want to just do your own, just program your own? Like, stop arguing with our programming. I work hard at this." Um, and that's kind of of how it came about, yeah. right? I mean, it was. Um it was kind of uh, at the perfect time because my boss, well, the owner was like, so when we were doing the programs, like, are there any people that you'd want to invite in yeah. um, to do some guest programming or, or to start a regular thing? Mm. And I said, well, there's this guy that comes along quite regularly. <laughs> he's quite well known. Uh, and he, and, I was like, and he comes here. He's not just someone online. Yeah. Like he, yeah. I, he, it was, I th- I'd met you at the Batman one yeah, when I first yeah, met I think you. So yeah, um, I was like, he's a, he's a genuine and I'd, I'd, fan. I I tweeted a lot of annoyance at the <laughs> um, at the Harvey and, and Donnie Darko double double because Harvey is my favourite film of all time and I love Donnie Darko, but it killed me that the crowd at least doubled. I think for, for Donnie Darko. Darko and it's like just oh, Harvey's such an amazing. Why, and, you know, that's it, why you. You put Harvey on with Donny. You'd hope that some of these people had never heard or seen. Yeah, exactly. Harvey would be drawn would in and catch them both. Yeah, it. it makes sense. Um, so yeah, that was it. Was it was just at the right time where I knew that you, uh, I knew that you came and that you had, yeah. you, you had an audience that you could bring to the cinema. Yeah, sure. And I knew that you wanted to put stuff on. Yeah. And <laughs> I knew that, w- I knew that at some point you would want to do time crimes, and that was the first one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what we started with. Um, uh, and that was great because again, again, the kind of the basis and idea of the because again, I was. C- kind of concerned of thinking right I've not really got a theme and everything seems to have a theme rather than just here's some films that this guy likes and I kind of came up with the, the thought that right I wanted to generally try and choose stuff that that I hadn't seen in this in the cinema because I go on about this on online a lot and I don't 
I don't technically work for any cinemas. I guess kind of I do know with this, but I don't work, for, you know, I promote all cinemas because I feel the experience of going, of seeing a film in the cinema is so different because, and I say this at the beginning of everyone's, so, so anyone who's attended the film, I apologise for my spiel now, but the fact is, if you've got your favourite film of all time on DVD at home, you're going to have it on, but you're still going to either gl- glance at your phone or th- think, I need to sort my council tax tomorrow. You know, you'll be in mm. some way distracted, whereas watching that... So basically, I decided to choose films that I've seen loads of times and love, but never in this, the cinema, because watching it in the cinema is in a completely different experience. And with Time Crimes, it was great, because we got... Um, what's his name? V- Nacho. V- Nacho. Nacho is yeah. easy. Yeah, I can never f- pronounce his name. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to Yeah, say we got wrong. Nacho to do... Um, a, a video introduction for it, which was hilarious because he was just just getting drunk and was saying, "Every day I like to drink." I think it's tequila or something yeah. like. But today, I'm making the reason for this tequila that you're screening time crimes, which was again overlooked in this country a lot at the mm. cinema, at, at least. Um, so yeah, we do that. But then also after the film, we have a Q and A, and again that was a weird thing to try and pitch to you guys yeah. and to everyone else. Like, I'm gonna do a Q and A. I'm not going to have anyone who's involved with the film <laughs> at but, all. But I think that was one thing when when we started to discuss what to do that um, made it seem even more like interesting. Because when you were like, you know, when you go and watch a film, I, I mean, I tend to go watch films on my own, and then after you want to talk to someone about yeah. it, but you know, there's no one to talk to. There's no one to talk to, and the fact what? again, spoiler alert, has become such a thing now that you can't discuss a film for fear of ruining yeah. it for everyone else. Whereas. The kind of thought behind that, and it, again, I think it, it came from our first meeting because we sat and just ended up talking about films. We didn't mm. actually, other than Time Crimes, which was the original plan. I don't yeah. think we planned any others that we were going to put no. on, but we talked about a lot of films, and it was that idea that look, you're in a room with a load of people who've just seen that film. So if you've got time before you train or whatever, let's just spend ten fifteen minutes. And I often have, have Rich Sandlin, who's run numerous film comedy clubs and things like that. So he's he's a handy, knowledgeable person. Just just having a chat about the film and seeing uh, uh, what you liked and, and disliked. And it's been nice over the months that we tend to get a lot of people now. And I often it was it was only after one of them where the first few have been quite b- b- busy, and I thought right. I, I want to do a show of hands of who's here for the film club and who's here just because the film was on and don't mm. even know what's going on. And realised that we had a very high percentage who were there for the film club, which I was part of me was just thinking, look, I've got a scam here. I get to just choose films <laughs> I put on. I'll pretend anyone's, that everyone's just turning up, up for the films. But it was, it was nice to see that. And the kind of exciting thing there was that then I started to ask who's seen the film before and we were getting so many people who are seeing it f- for the first time and... I'm trying to think which one. The Fool. The, 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 the Fool was the one, actually, that I had the most people say, how isn't this how up there with The Princess Bride stuff, yeah. and all these other classic kind of... Because it's such an amazing one. And it was... A Time Crimes and The Fool, of all the ones I've put on, I think, are the two that I felt are amazing, but people hadn't seen. I mean, we've had stuff like Irreversible and, and, and Buffalo 66 and great stuff, but that stuff that... If you're into films, you've probably seen at some point. But it felt that The Fall and, and, and Time Crimes in particular were two that was like, right, no, a lot of people haven't. And it was great to then see that people were turning up because of the event, 
and therefore, and then going away and ha- yeah. ha- having seen a, a new favourite film. Say Anything was another one, actually. Surprised yeah. me that a lot of people were like, I've, I've not seen it, I don't know what to expect. I think and that, went away like, wow. That's part, like, that's kind of like the, um, one of the biggest joys of film programming is, um, like, picking a film and knowing that part of the audience has never seen it, but also putting faith in you, like, yeah, yeah. faith in the cinema that we'll put a film on, um, because we believe in it and we like it and we think that you should see it. Yeah. Um, same, you know, it's with you. You, you, yeah. you put in the films that you love and you want people to come to ex- yeah, completely. Ex- experience. They're not always going to love everything you do. But one of my favourite experiences of, as, of being a programmer was we played The Assassination of Jesse James yeah. um, a few years ago. We did a, a 2007 uh, season, uh, which yeah. was like an amazing year for American cinema. And we played that and this woman came up after and she was crying her eyes out. And she was just like, I'd never never seen anything about this film mm. um i just saw you guys were, were constantly going on about it when you had a screening because yeah. uh, me and one of the guys i work with we it's one of our favorite right, like, yeah. modern films so we were like constantly it was like yeah we'll, we'll tweet and facebook about this one constantly and she's yeah. just like i was completely floored by it thank you so much yeah, i would have amazing. never seen it and i was like that's that's you know I, i've got friends who, who program other cinemas and independent programmers and that's one of those things like i've become friends with programmers because they yeah. put films on i've gone to and i was like Thank you so Man, much for that showing great. me that film. Yeah. Um, now I need to be your friend because well, I, I got um, again, and I got a lot of love when this came out on DVD, and I tweeted about it. But I, I watched a, a what we do in the shadows after you said how awesome it was, and I hadn't got to catch oh, it in its brilliant. run at, um, at the Prince Charles. Yeah. And I was again, I was like, well, you know, I'll, I'll give it a look, and was just it's absolutely amazing. And yeah. again, it's one that I then posted about. And even then, it's it's a it's a tough thing with how it works online as well because a thing that I have to try not to get too mad about is when I post about films and I have hundreds of people saying that's amazing, and then not hundreds of people turning up because yeah. they then just go and buy it and it becomes more of a film list, which yeah. isn't the point of it. I said the point is to try and get you to see these films in the cinema because it's again it's a different experience. I understand I'm posting online and there's people who aren't in the area and so on and so forth, but. Um, is is that something that you have much of as you run the kind of online? Yeah, side I mean, of it? is there a lot of people who just use the Prince Charles as a? Because again, if if you, if you end up using anything that's an independent thing, and I believe this with a, a, a record stores to cinemas to anything else, and it's the thing that we had with a Six Music of, a few years back, like when it was about to be mm. gone. Uh, when it's gone, you'll be f- furious. But if you don't use it while it's there, and again, obviously yeah. you get good turnouts and everything, but it's still it's that thing of if you start using the film club or your listings or whatever as your as your as your, as your, your reading list, but not list, actually yeah. turning up to go, then that will be gone at some point. Because yeah, I mean, I think you know, um, we're we're pretty blessed in London, not just as the Prince Charles, but as a whole with regards to film program. There's so much great stuff. Yeah. Um, and there is definitely a core of people who try and go to as much as that, much yeah, of that yeah, as they yeah. possibly can. Yeah, you know, definitely. You've just recognised people, and slowly over time, you get become friends with these people because you just or, all that stuff. Oh, there was a guy I kept recognising at the film club who wasn't there for me at all, but we be- ended up t- t- just talking, talking after each one because he would then be telling me that he's seen these two films at the BFI this week and this one over yeah. here this week and it's like all oh, right i'd i'd assumed that i it was a familiar face i'd assume that was because he was a fan in some way and it wasn't until after a while it's like Just no i've got no like, idea who you films. are but you've been putting some good films yeah. on so I'm, yeah. I'm here for the films i think there's i mean it's the same thing with music you know people will just go and yeah it's in their habit like it's in their makeup they'll go and see bands at, at venues like if they've got a venue they love and there's a band that they have heard is pretty good they'll just go because yeah. they you know respect the pro- promoters or the venue 
So, yeah, we have a bit of that. But I just think that... Um, I mean, we do. You do put a film out there and you're like, I really want people to come and see this. Like, I yeah. am obsessed with this film. If, yeah. you, if you know me at all, you'll know that this is a film that I'm putting on and I'm going to be sitting front row centre, like, chomping at the bit from yeah. the start. It's a killer, isn't it? And then three people turn up. Then you're yep. just like, oh, God, why? Why not? Why? why? Um, oh, but- oh, again, I, I, we had that experience with Unprofit, which was was the last one and the the, t- the turnout was all right in the end but at first the ticket sales were so slow and it was just annoyance because that thinking of this could be the best film that we've that, was, that we've yeah p- put on at the film club but because something just didn't click or timing wise it didn't it. work it was i think that's the um the down the downside of having so much going on is is there's timing and there's yeah. wealth of option but again it's like no one's in the wrong already for not it's just no. that it's it's it's, it's the, the easiest way is when you've i think a good example is, Say you've just started seeing someone, and you're like, you've got a few favourite films. You, you, you put on your favourite a funny film, and they don't laugh at the points that uh, apps that you know it's killer, it's heartbreaking, mm. it's genuinely like, damn, oh, or or just your mates or whoever when you're like, oh, I need to show them this, and then it's oh, and it's exactly yeah, that's, that. That's how it sometimes feels with yeah, there's with been programming, a, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's a. There's been a few real heartbreakers, yeah. um, and it does. Like I mean, I speak to like, my friends who are programmers, and they'll, some some of my friends who don't work at um, at specific cinemas who put on their you know they they pro, they find films, find film prints, and then go to cinemas and put these screens together, and no Amazing. one turns up. But it's totally yeah totally heartbreaking because you know I think it's like people do take for granted films are just on at the cinemas yeah um, and you know but the job of making that happen not new release films but like older films yeah. Is is huge. I, you know, you yeah, could work 100%. for a year trying to find a film print and licensing rights and getting clearance and AUKs and deals and everything else. <laughs> Sorry, that's my, it's my stomach being particularly noisy there. Um, <laughs> and then the film goes on, and and you know, from from a public perspective, it's just the film is on. Which yeah. I was part of that audience. I never realised all yeah. this stuff went on. Yeah. Um, Again, there's the, it's a weird thing because because when you start to get into it, it changes your perception a bit. I remember when. Um, they were doing um, um, Aggie Air when that had its brief r- rerun yeah. recently. Uh, Wrath of God. Um, I was furious that I was on tour, and it felt like I was missing a good band over. It didn't yeah, feel yeah. like, oh, there's a film on. Oh, I'm not about. I was like, shit. It was, it was and an because occasion. they were moving it about a bit, and it was at certain places at certain times, it was like, man, I'm not. I'm not in London. To catch this yeah. really big moment, rather than just oh, it's a film. I'll watch the the, the Blu-ray later. And... Yeah, yeah. I, that's, I think that's one thing that um, I since doing this job, I have so much more respect for the for, you know for how hard everybody works. It. So yeah. I try and see as much as I can at various places. Um, you know, obviously the majority of my film watching happens where I work, but yeah. I, I, I always want to go and see stuff elsewhere because you know there's stuff happening elsewhere that we're not going to put on, and I want to. Yeah. And also yeah, knowing completely. how hard. People work to get this and to support yeah. those screenings and those events is, is like you say if you, if you don't show your support and it goes then it'll go. So I mean, as we're talking of support, I should give our film listeners and <laughs> times f- for the f- 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 film club. So this month's one um, is on Thursday the twenty eighth of May and it's Ghost Dog Way of the Samurai, which of all the ones that we've announced, that's been the one that's been getting the most reaction online so far. Because yes. again, that's Great one I remember movie. just watching that years ago and just a uh, Forest Whitaker. Again, just seeming like the weirdest choice for a samurai movie. But perfect, essentially, absolutely but perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, and then we've got on June 18th, we've got A Menace to Society, which again, I was discussing with you, just trying to pick films that... I remember 
and then Atticus Society and Boys in the Hood both being films that like we'd pass a, a video around of amongst friends. It'd be like contraband. Mm. It'd be this hidden, a secret thing, and they were amazing at the time. And again, it might not be a, a piece of arty independent cinema but man that's a good it's, yeah good i think flick, giving so films like excited that, about that like you've been saying giving films those that chance i watched it i watched men's society for that time on vhs yeah um same the fact that you're putting you're putting it on the big screen is like you've got to be there so like, many times on vhs or just it'll be b- b- be on late at night and it'll be one of them films i, I like office space mm. which has been one of our most successful ones the prince charles actually where it's on late at night, and it always means that you end up staying up later because you think, I'll yeah. watch a bit. Was and then, it on TV that night as well? It was on TV the same night, and I genuinely <laughs> think that Film 4, who do now follow me on Twitter, are starting to go, right, let's look at what... Let's, let's nick some scheduling let's, ideas for, from the film club. And then on July 30th, we've got Dancer in the Dark, which, again, that's going to be heavy and yeah. Bjork in her award-winning role, and just in general, yeah. The... Oh, that's one that again I haven't seen in the cinema, but I think I've only watched a couple of times because it's quite it's so intense and heavy. But again, the idea of that on the big screen with the music and with everything just drawing you in and with people hugely excited about that with I, people. Yeah, I think that's one thing that um, I, I really the, one of the things I love about cinema is you know as long as it's a respectful audience, depending you know on the type of film you're going to see. Um, Experiencing those emotions on your, at home on your own with the distractions of phone and everything else, mm-hmm. you're not really you're not as yeah. tuned in. But when you're with an audience, I always find it it just can become overwhelming. When you see a film that really resonates with you and you're and, yeah. and there's people around you, it almost like doubles it up inside of me. Like yeah. there are people around me, but like we ha- like we're all in this together. I'm Completely. hoping everyone feels how Completely. I feel because I'm about a, a, to start crying. Deeper ex- experience. I remember the one time that that had, or kind of the opposite, but I guess it heightened it as well. I went to a Q and A. Um, with uh, Enter the Void, Irreversible, what's his name? Uh, Director? Gasper, no. G- no. Gasper, no, that's right. Um, I went to a, Q&A, a, 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 sc- a first screening of Enter the Void and a Q&A with him afterwards, and it annoyed me because there's certain scenes in that that have like, ejaculation or, you know, it's just things like that, that and people were sniggering and laughing. But again, there was kind of a beauty in that because it's like you're only it's because you feel uncomfortable. It's because you feel uncomfortable yeah. being around other people and watching something like this that you're going. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like no, this is you know, it's all everything in his films is an intense s- s- sensory experience. So yeah, yeah, that, I mean that's like um, you know whenever you see a horror movie with an audience, if there's a moment that's genuinely scary, there'll yeah. be that moment where people start giggling after because yeah. they're kind yeah. of like, oh, God, yeah. I can't believe I screamed yeah. at that um, completely. And I think. I think Office Space and Say Anything were two for me. Or, in fact, on the opposite side of the of the tenseness was when we did um, a Rafifi. Again, I didn't know how that would go down at all, and that was one where not, I think hardly anyone had seen it before who was there. And, again, the tension, It's again, if, if you're not aware of it, it's got, I think it's a 12-minute silent a, a bank robbery scene because they have to be silent because they're robbing a bank. And just... just that was heightened so much by being in a room f- full of people, all equally in silence and on the edge of their seat mm. f- for this amazing piece of cinema. Yeah, so. and that, that tension gets heightened when you're in a room full of people. Yeah. So, that, which is why I'll always, you know, I've, I've bought films to watch at home and then you'll see a screening's happening in two or three months' time. I, I will nine times out of ten wait for that screening because I just know that's sort of the intention of, of the, of the filmmaker, the, the reason the film was made was to be seen on a big screen with an audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, people don't make films. Again, Some films I mean, do, but I'm, to be watched on phones. I'm a bad on, person on... to watch a film with at points. My girlfriend will contest to this at home because, again, I get genuinely annoyed if someone oh, I wants to go to the toilet or get a drink and not pause it. It's like, well... No, this so, and it's, it's it's only from my brief experience of, of editing a music videos and stuff like that. And knowing how much me and Tom have argued over the slightest tiny little cut or slightest little bit, and it's like, and you're not even going to be respectful enough to sit and watch. Yeah. You know, every and watch moment it is poured over. There is no yeah passing completely. Um, These things, films don't just stumble onto screen. There's yeah. so much put into them, and I get really um, again as I tell at this at the film. A, cl- a club now i f- i fell out with a friend of mine um because they felt i was being too harsh in saying that anyone who uses their phone in the cinema is scum and they tried to put forward arguments of uh, what if for example they've um they've th- they're leaving uh, their ch- a child at home for the first time and they want to just check is that I don't pick the cinema, go to a bar. Or what if they're waiting on a phone call from an interview? Again, you don't deserve that job because you shouldn't be in the cinema (laughs) if that's what you're waiting on. And and they felt I was being over the top, but I felt, no, they're genuinely scum. Um, But again... It seems to work. Yeah, it seems to... (laughs) No one seems to check their phones in the cinema after I give give my little speech about that, so... But yeah, um, well, I mean, we're almost on an hour now and I've got a, a long list of stuff I haven't even got through yet so i'm going to cherry pick a few can we talk about the ghost and your experience oh, the ghost of the prince charles, of, of the ghost of the prince charles. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, not the film ghost i didn't just know I, I, I mean ghost. i'll talk about can ghost we just talk you about the film ghost um patrick's crazy train uh yeah so there was there's um <laughs> on the wikipedia page for the cinema there's a short paragraph about a, a ghost at the, at the prince charles um mm. and i'd and i'd i'd not read about this before i started um but when I was working there, it was one of those things that the projection department would be like, oh, yeah, nice, blah, blah, this is the building, and they'd show you projection booth, and this is the projector, and how things work, just so that you have an understanding mm-hmm. of how everything works. You're not just, you know, you don't just sell popcorn. Yep. You, you, you're part of this team, that's, part that's of the great. unit. That makes sense. Um, and then uh, the head projectionist was like, oh, yeah, and, and it's um, it's haunted. Not everyone has had experiences with it, but, but, but you know, it's haunted. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that, I, I, you know, I'm open to the possibility but until i see it with my yeah, own two yeah. eyes uh, i'll never know and a few months later um i was sitting in when we was a single screen uh before the upstairs screen was built it was a balcony yeah um and i used to love coming in on my days off and the first i think it was the f- first one of the day you could sit on the balcony but for the rest of the day it would just be downstairs yeah um so i would come in for the second or third film and sit on the balcony on my own, front row centre, with the yeah. audience below, and I would Amazing. watch the film. So it felt yeah. like you had the cinema to yourself. Yeah, perfect. Um, and I came in on one of my days off and watched uh, There Will Be Blood um, for the first time. Amazing. Front row on the balcony, and I was just, from the moment that film started, I was just, yeah, floored by it. Yeah. But I noticed at the back of the back of the balcony, um, I could hear every 15, 20 minutes or so, like an, like an usher's chair, um, which is like mm. a little flappy seat. Right, um, yep, yep would go and it, so it sounded like someone had got up and walked out Yeah. and in my mind I'm just thinking the projectionist is because it was right next to the projection booth the projectionist is coming out checking the film checking yeah. that everything's okay because it would be around every time the reel had changed right yeah yeah, um, yeah. because it was, films were still shown on film then um, and then after the film I, I went out came out went downstairs I was like that film was absolutely amazing what was going on about it and then when the projectionist came down 
I said, oh, why did you keep checking the film from the balcony? Because the audience was downstairs, so I thought you'd normally check, you know, check where your audience yeah. is rather than, like, some elevated perspective. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, I, didn't, I haven't even been in the screen. I was like, what do you mean? She's like... Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't go in. I, I, I went in once, but I just opened the door and then went back just because I knew I saw there was someone on the balcony. And it was it was you, yeah. and I just left it. So like, there was clearly someone coming in. She's like, "Was it the usher's chair?" I was like, "Okay, I don't know if it's <laughs> still to this day. I didn't actually see anything." Yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah. But yeah, that went off, and then a couple of other people around that time said they'd had the same thing from watching film and heard it go not as frequently, yeah. but heard the seat go. And that projectionist, she, she'd had you know the door held from the other side, and those sort of typical sort of ghost, yeah. ghostly hijinks. You, you got to have a haunted cinema, right? Right. Yeah, but the thing is, once we had the second screen um, put in in the balcony, there, there's been no reports of any ghostly behaviour. Oh wow! So he's trapped somewhere, the poor. In that, poor in thing. that <laughs> void between the new screen and the yeah. projection booth, just like they're just hearing films constantly yeah. blaring. Can't actually his... watch any of them. The poor guy. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, because yeah, there's no history of anyone that anyone knows of, of there being someone who had died on site yeah. or or anything like that. So yeah, that's my, that's that's kind of encountered, but no, I never shook yeah. the ghost's hand or anything. Yeah. But I was well, apparently in the same room. Well, other than that, what have been some of your favourite experiences at the cinema? Like people you've met, because again, you you get a lot of people in for screenings. You get yeah. a lot of people in to do, you know. Q and A's before and after, and there's a lot of, in fact, there's a lot of people who are fans of the cinema, aren't there? I know, yeah. Kevin Smith and numerous others have done stuff there, and Edgar Wright has always, you yeah. know, have always been a fan yeah. of Prince Charles. Um, I mean, that was when I first started to work at the cinema. I was like, what, what contacts do you have on file? And there was like none. Usually, filmmakers come to us and they're like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to put on my new film, or a distributor want to show a film. Can I do yeah. a preview with it? It's always kind of. Um, there's something leading to it rather than the cinema leading outwards yeah. because people like the cinema so they would always come yeah, to yeah. us but I was like okay well I want to reach out to some people I want to get some stuff going on so we started to work on the Twitter presence because that was like that's bypassing IMDB Pro and going to a manager and, or yeah. uh, someone and hoping that those emails filter through one of the first people I got in touch with was Edgar Wright mm-hmm. um, and I was like look really want to screen space then I really want to do Fistful of fingers. I really want to do yeah. all of your movies in, uh, in a marathon or something, and like let's yeah. do something. And he was um, very cool and very like, you know what? That sounds great. Let's wait until the right time. So I just okay. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy, you know, pestering yeah. and asking every yeah, day. Yeah, of course. Stay in touch. And then uh, on the horizon of the world's end coming out, um, he got in touch and was like, "Now is the time. Now is the time. The so moment we, is here." He. Uh, he and his team and uh, and I put together this Edgar Wright takeover, which was a screening of A Fistful of Fingers, yeah. which opened at the Prince Charles. Um, oh, really? Yeah, when, when it first came out, and he had, he had been in the attendance for Q&As with it way, way back then. Yeah. Um, we, we screened A Fistful of Fingers, did a Q&A with that, which he came down for. Um, then we had Seasons 1 and 2 of Spaced. Amazing. Uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. And Scott Pilgrim, yeah. uh, playing through the whole night. But we sort of broke up. We had three episodes of Space, then a movie, then three episodes of Space. Brilliant. So it was all... Yeah. Everyone got free cornettos at the end. Um, Perfect. And then in the morning... Um, I love it. In the morning, uh, Nick Frost and Edgar Wright were having... The way the schedule worked, they were having their um, cast and crew screen of The World's End Around the Corner. So they came back to the Prince Charles with Jaffa cakes for the entire audience. Amazing. And gave them out to everyone. <laughs> Um, and that was that was 
<laughs> I love that. That was absolutely amazing. And t- that was also when I first was pitching my role um, yeah. to my boss. Like, you should have a, someone who does who manages social media does this, and does yeah. this and does that. A list of things I would love to do. And one of them was an Edgar Wright takeover. And I'd originally scheduled it like a music festival, you know, like Space Season 1 headlines day one and Space Season yeah, 2 yeah, headlines. Yeah. And that sort of just got pushed together into this one all night. And when that finally came together, like, I remember being stood outside the cinema once everyone had came out and there was you know, 300 of us outside that unless the place and the sun was shining down. Yeah. Um, and I just got everyone to be quiet. So I could shout. I was like, look, you guys, this, this is, was one of the first things that I wanted to do with the cinema. Now I've yeah. done it. This, this is, I was like tears in my eyes. I was overwhelmed yeah. with how amazing it had all gone. Awesome. And then we started a spaced style fake gun shootout. Brilliant. Um, and so like, the whole of Leicester place was just all of these really tired, but really excited um, fans of Edgar Wright just going nuts throughout the street and that was I love it that was amazing yeah um, that's should... fantastic I've got just incidentally anyone anyone listening on next week's podcast I've got Michael Smiley who was who was in Spaced and played a zombie tyres in Shaun of the yeah. Dead as well so yeah nice lead in keeping that that theme in there and, and that... we've previously had Simon Pegg and Nick Frost so you can check them and Paddy Considine who was in <laughs> oh, um, go. you know we've got a good a good a good collection there um, so yeah that was that was that was the first of a really big sort of yeah. big few things that happened um, it's amazing as well and I love and, and Nick and Edgar being about to drop by yeah that, the, the, the thing is in the whole lead up to it like Edgar was just amazing to work with and really yeah. and we showed all of it like some of his music videos yeah, and wicked. all kinds of stuff that he'd done outside of his film work yeah. film and TV stuff um, and that was when I realised how much um, how, how filmmakers really get into that sort of stuff as well because yeah. you think that you know from if an you can get to them and engage in them, then that's, they're really into yeah. it. I mean, um, we they're once, generally film nerds, yeah, and cinema yeah, nerds. That's why they, so that's why they do what they do. do. Yeah. Um, that's like when we were screening, we were screening Brick um, as part of a double bill, yeah. um, and just out of nowhere on Twitter, Ryan Johnson got in touch. Oh, wow. and was like, I'm in Paris at the moment, um, but I'm interested. I'll get the Eurostar over and come over and do a Q and A. Amazing. I was like, okay, well, what do you want us to do? He's like, no, 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 nothing. What day is it? What time? I'll be there. He came over from Paris, That's stayed in London for a couple right? of days, did a and a and same thing. Just he was just like, I, I'm, I love that the cinema is showing one of my older movies, yeah. and there are, there's an audience, and yeah. I, I want to come and say thanks to you guys for doing it and do a Q and A, and that was absolutely amazing. Getting to and then he took us a couple of the team out, took us out as a thanks, which felt odd. Cause <laughs> I was so thankful to him, but he took us yeah. out and just real cool guy. Yeah. Um, just yeah, just geeking out about movies for like three hours in the pub around the corner, and amazing. And now he's making a Star Wars movie, which is amazing. Yeah, um, but yeah. So that that that, decent. that back and forth with uh, filmmakers is is kind of nice. Like yeah. the, if you reach out to them, they want to do something, and sometimes they just get in touch with you, um, because they've heard of you. I mean, that's what happened with Ryan Johnson. He'd, he'd heard yeah. friends in LA were like, "Well, when you're going to be in London. You should check out the Prince Charles. They 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 show all, everything, all kinds of movies." Again, it's great as well that it is known. I've I've spoken to it about tons of people all over the world that it's it's known. Oh, it freaks me out. Yet so many people in London, I, I won't even be aware. Or, yeah, I won't I mean, even be aware of what's on their doorstep. Yeah, I mean, it's a constant. I mean, that's a, a good thing. It's a constant. Like you got to keep keep doing your best because you want to keep trying to yeah. spread the word and, and keep get the people, reputation. Yeah. Up there. Um, but I mean, like what happened, one thing that happened last year when um, we just got had an email from Warner Brothers that was just that all it said was which which screens in your cinema can you play films from thirty five millimeter still? Yeah. Um, so I replied at both, 
Uh, any more questions, just let me know. So I wonder what that could be about. Then a week later, my boss said, oh, that was an initial uh, inquiry from the office of Paul Thomas Anderson. Wow. Um, because he's looking to bring inherent vice over because he's going to come into town for some uh, like promo stuff, like press interviews. Yeah. He'll bring inherent vice with him and wants to screen it. And everyone he's spoken to has said, you should go to the Prince Charles with it because that fits yeah. the film. And then instantly I'm like, oh my, what? Hold on, Paul Thomas Anderson knows about the Prince Charles cinema. I mean, I know that we have a reputation and people know us, but that's just like, he, yeah. and he's coming to us. Um, but yeah, right. he, he he wants to screen with you guys. And so he came over. Um, we And yeah, so I'm losing what to say. It's still <laughs> now I can't believe that it happened. Point but yeah, blown. he came down in the morning um, with his personal print of inherent vice we had a screen test and i sat next to him in the screen whilst yeah. we watched the first reel um and he was the nicest most loveliest guy yeah um we had a very very interesting conversation about um about watching pornography in public and the porn <laughs> cinemas of soho and i was like well yeah. of course this guy who made boogie nights yeah, so yeah, it's not like it's not seed it's like just a matter of factly asking me if it still exists and yeah. uh and, and just having a really good conversation with him and then yeah and then we screened the film at night and he kept coming back to say hi to the audiences and was talking to people and he was just like amazing you are one of like the the best contemporary filmmakers and yeah. you wanted to show your film here and, to, and everyone who worked there was just like blown away by it again it's essential I mean I'm going to have um, a, a JT from a Banquet Records on soon and I think it's a similar thing where if you've got a cinema need that is willing and and it's kind of different because of how touristy this particular part is, but it's still irrelevant because it's still London. But a cinema that's are willing to educate their audience on 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 films essentially, and again, I don't mean that in a patronising way in any way, but again, you can, can put your faith in. I think what Banquet and a lot of independent record stores do with their their local communities is go right. Are you into this? I think you might enjoy this, and you might not have found that. that that otherwise and it then breeds you know yeah a good community of people who are yeah mm. have got a nice broad a range of of, of yeah. cinema loves i think that's that's one thing we try and we sort of pride ourselves on is the two way of what do you want to see like you come mm. to the prince charles i mean you you do yep yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also you know to all the, the people on, who follow us on twitter and on facebook what do you want to see like yeah. we get emails every day and and tweets and facebook posts like can you show us how to show that and we do like everything. There's a, I ha, I have a list of every recommend every request that mm. goes in. Um, awesome. And throughout the course of time, you do you know pick pick some to look at. And if I've never heard of a film, that instantly it's like I need, I need to check that out, yeah. see what see what's going on there. Um, so, and I think that's important for us is in in uh, working on that audience responses. Like you want yeah. and that rapport, you want like them to know that they're part of it. So every now and again someone will request a film and six months later we'll screen it. But I try and keep records of who's so that when we are showing it I can go back to them back and be to like, say, hey, by the way, that on. film that you asked for is happening. Wicked. Um which is funny, I think in the age of uh, it's customer service and the autom- automated process of yeah. you know, reply. Like it's someone will say I-, I really want to see Jaws on the big screen. Great. It- oh yeah and I'll reply, yeah, it'll happen um, I'm not sure when, but I'm sure we'll yeah. shoot it in the next year. Eight months late, later, I'll say, oh, by the way, here's a link to the event page and it's happening. And they're like, oh, you remembered? Yeah, so, well. that's insane. That's great. That's, that's great. A customer service. Well, I mean, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So let's just end it with a bit of a a nerd out on what you've enjoyed 
recently or what you're looking f- forward to, like regardless of if you've screened it or whatever, what films so far are this year have, have kind of grabbed you? Um, or in the last oh, year, let's X, say. Ex Machina kind of came from out of nowhere. Uh, great, wasn't it? Um, it's great. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I thought they absolutely it. nailed the tone and everything. I, I didn't know what to expect. I thought it looked a little bit... I, I went, but I was like, ah, it's going to be a bit a throwaway, a bit cheesy. But I thought, yeah, the it, tone was fantastic. The casting, the, the fact that I didn't particularly know anyone in it from anywhere. So I couldn't, I couldn't pinpoint yeah. anything, so you didn't have that... If, I don't know. Somehow, I think that at times can make it feel all the more real because it's not. Yeah, it's, oh, that's Al Pacino. Yeah, I, I just a couple <laughs> of friends of mine who are really big into their sci-fi had gone to see it opening weekend. Yeah, um, and it was on my radar, but I felt like yeah, because of where I work, I was like, oh, we'll, we'll, that will probably come our way, so yeah. I'll watch it when we get it. Yeah. Um, but they went and saw it, and they were like, "This is, this is really, really good. Yeah, like, it's great. Everything about it is great. Like script, direction." Um, that, that the tone, the level of humour, music, everything is just yeah, firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah, they nailed and, it, and it, it, it did keep you guessing and keep you kind of wondering. Yeah. It wasn't the it was, kind of yeah. It's one know. of those good ones as well that was really good for like the discussion after. Yeah. Um Because I, I I sort of read the film as it being, I mean, there's so much to read about it, but one thing I, I enjoyed it being kind of a, a Turing test on your on the audience. Yeah. Like who you side with is how believable you found her as a human being. Yeah. Or with to have completely uh, any sort of artificial intelligence. And I was wanted her to succeed, so therefore I was convinced that she had, was real, so she yeah. passed in yeah. my eyes. Yeah. Um spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um so I think that um that that was and it sort of just came out in January or of February time and it sort of just kind of got lost in the mix, but because it got released later in the States, yeah. has now become a big thing again. Well, that was it. I was excited just recently to hear them talk about it on the Joe Rogan podcast. I can't think who the guest was, but they told him about it. And then he's ended, again, he ended up getting... And it's it's one of them that it's... Uh, it's a, 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 the US releases gradually come round and people are going, oh, my God, look at that. That was amazing. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's new Lisa Life. So that, I, that, was, um, that was great. I really enjoyed that. And I'm looking forward to next week's release of, or this week's release, Mad Max is yes, which yesterday Twitter went nuts for, or yeah. Monday gone, uh, all the reviews came out, and everyone was just screaming from the rooftops about how amazing it was. Yeah, I can't wait. So um, I'm 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 missing opening weekend. I tend to like to like to see films, obviously with the, with Twitter now being it's not even about the, the spoiler of a, a plot point, but just. The opening action sequence and is, and it's like, yeah. how was I to know there was going to be an opening act? I want to go in yeah. there, like, I barely watch trailers. Like, yeah. I'll read a synopsis here in the book, like, I don't want to know too much. So yeah. when there's people like, oh, there's this brilliant fight scene in the middle of it between, you know, these two people. It's like, I didn't I didn't know they were going to fight. So I try and yeah. avoid as much of that by trying to see film as soon as I can. It's so it's, it's, it's been so pleasing seeing the hype around it, because I, 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 I knew a few people who were involved with it when it was being made and it felt like it could really go either way because of doing it all in the desert and all this kind of thing and mm. obviously the director now being a fair bit older and things like that it's one name it felt right this is either gonna be amazing or it's gonna f- fall on its face so, so hard yeah. it's gonna be and it's it, you know that was only a, a one snapshot but the feeling i got from talking to people involved in it at, at that time was that everyone was kind of we don't know if this is gonna be great or yeah 
I mean, horrible. So, so, so the fact that it uh, then didn't hear anything about it because it was wrapped and everyone's mm. focusing on other things, and then the fact that it's yeah, suddenly everyone's saying no, it's it's fucking good. Yeah, I th- I think that um, it seems to have done enough of respecting its past, yeah. but also pushing it forward to to kind of a more of a modern climate. It feels like how they're, they're treating the new Star Wars. Like yeah. we know what people loved then. Um, yeah. And but now we're pushing forward and and having that respect for it, it keeps that audience that was there from the start on board rather than alienating them by you know if yeah, Mad Max come out and all of the cars were like sheeny like shiny yeah. and, and and chrome and yeah. it would just been like it's, it's, it needs to be dirty it's it needs meeting to be. it but it's not just going look to do a, a Mel Gibson impression you know yeah, things yeah, like that yeah. it's not it's not doing it's that, none right? of that um, so, yeah that's good and the feedback. From what I was reading, as much as I've read yesterday, without before running away from the internet, um, <laughs> has got me has got me pumped for that. Um, have, have you have you caught the most or the new Avengers? Yes, yes, I have. Or what did you think? It's. I loved. I, I wonder if I'm. Uh, as, as you know, to, I'm a bit of a mark again. for these films. Yeah, as, as soon you, as they start and everything's going, I'm like, fucking brilliant! There's people flying. Um, it is. Um, it, I mean, it's it is sensory overload at some points yeah and there are some really there are some moments here that I really really disliked right some I really loved yeah um I just you know I just the thing the, the one my problem with those sort of movies is that they're always leading to the, like another thing yeah. they're always setting up the yeah. next one and I just want a bit more I mean it, let's it, sit in this one for a bit and see but no yeah, it's like it was interesting it wasn't in, uh, as someone else was saying that they heard a Kevin Smith discussing recently how we're kind of glossing over and not realising what an insane moment in cinema history this this run of Marvel films are. Because in general, they've all at least been decent or good, but all kind of gradually interlocking and tying in, and some of them amazing. And that's n- there's never really been films of that size over this span, particularly mm. as they've got it now planned it's however many more. 2019 or 2020 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and a, a run of films that are all, yeah, at the moment... Like even the ones that you expected, like Guardians, you kind of expected to be the the phoned in one. That's probably my favourite of the lot oh, so yeah, far. I, and I think that I mean that's that 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 is my favourite of the yeah. of the of the Marvel the Marvel films. Because it's one of those rare ones that I I've got two nephews, uh they're five and one's two in a couple of weeks. Um and they absolutely adore Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. in the same way that I do, yeah, yeah, which is a really interesting. Like the music, like my five-year-old nephew, when he comes around to my house, wants me to put on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack, and he's singing along to the songs which I grew up like. They're they're even pre my time, so like he's nostalgic for like got this nostalgic love that he doesn't even understand what it is. I love it. He's just really into it, and yeah, that when that came out, I was like, that's what Mm. that's what these films need to be more like. That just everyone can sort of get involved and, yeah. and enjoy um i thought um yeah i mean it was good it but my, my, my favorite of all of the marvel ones other than guardians has been the second captain america movie which i rewatched the other week and i absolutely yeah. loved it um, yeah i thought it was great but it does i do feel like they need to give black widow her own movie which i know is a big thing but yeah it's tough and it's, it's weird though isn't it because they're kind of it feels as you you said where they're all leading towards things it's feeling that the individual movies are becoming less individual like the next yeah. captain america one it's, got it's not really it. a captain america movie this is another avengers movie yeah, <laughs> you I mean, know it's I the next in the story as such that's a bit of like the failing of where you create this universe and you have more characters and then each yeah. individual film has to incorporate 
more other, other fringe yeah. characters which yeah. then also have their own movies so how big does that universe get but it, yeah it can be as big as they they know where it's going but it can be as big as they want but they can still i, I mean, think there's i th- i thought it was great because i mean you mentioned that the the, the black widow kind of needs her own i felt that this avengers completely as a surprise to me was a black widow and uh um a Hawkeye movie. Essentially, they seem to be the two that I mean, were... I they're the front, runner, like, yeah, front it, runners. I mean, exactly. there was... Whereas you're, you're used to it being Captain America and Iron Man and whoever the villain is, and it was kind of nice that they really seemed to get the... the the, More the meat story, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, it's, and it's been that really interesting backlash of how Black Widow was treated in in the movie, mm-hmm. which I, I, th- I think was wasn't the best, uh, wasn't handled in the best way. But yeah, that, I think that's the that the failing of the film has is there's just too many people like yeah. those. You know, do, do we really need another Avengers movie where Iron Man's like the focus, or if yeah, yeah, he's going to yeah, have an Iron Man movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they end up having their own like, which one do we? Which who do we pick yeah, here? Yeah. Um, and because I've never really read comic books, I've read Punisher was the only one yeah. I've ever really read. Um, a, a, a witch, incidentally, a, a, a Tom Hardy was saying in an interview recently, if he could do any Marvel th- character, he'd love to do Punisher. How yeah, great I'd, would he be as Frank I'd Castle? Watched, yeah, That'd I'd be watch fucking that. amazing. Jesus, yeah, yeah, that would be good. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so. But yeah, I've lost my train of thought. There, now thinking of Tom Hardy as that's pretty exciting, right? Yeah. Anyway, we should start to wrap this up. Um, <laughs> is there anything else that you need to? Uh, where can people keep track of 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 all the Prince Charles um, c- cinema stuff? Uh, we're on Facebook, Prince Charles Cinema on Facebook yeah. at the PCC London on Twitter um, and Instagram and Instagram. Um, that's where a large amount of the information is. If you've got any requests, let us know. Perfect. Um, I will endeavour to put as many of those on as I can. But you can't hold me to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just uh, just support independent cinemas where yeah. you can. Not doesn't just have to be us. Support them all. Indeed. Just, just keep Again, it alive before it goes. Yeah. I, I can't. It, it, it was only I'd say it was four or five years ago that I've I re fell in love with the cinema experience, and it is. Yeah, I can't push enough how I think it's such a different a way to watch a film and to take in a film and again it's changing constantly because of how insanely busy the world is mm. it's harder and harder to find anywhere where you're, you're focused on anything in fact like regardless of film mm. just anything that you're completely focused on for that time it's so yeah. rare whereas the cinema because there's the, the, the darkness the sound is all around you you're 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 in that for yeah. that moment I mean I, I, so I I took my five-year-old nephew, who if, if ever there was a uh, a human being on the planet, it's a five-year-old to be distra- take dis- distraction really easily. Yeah. I took him to see the SpongeBob SquarePants movie the other Amazing. the other week, um, and as soon as the film started, he was resting on the chair in front of him. There wasn't anyone sat in it. He was resting on the chair in front of him, eyes locked on the screen for the yeah. entire movie. As soon as it finished, he sat down and turned to me and said, "Films are so much better in cinemas." Yeah, like yeah. I mean, he'd seen a few other films at the cinema, but he just that is. He just tunes in, and I was just like, that's, "That's it. That's what yeah. I'm like." As soon as I go into a cinema and sitting in that front row, as soon as it starts, I'm just like, "The rest of the world just sort of yeah, dims and disappears for a while." Yeah, and that, and I even I can't do that at home. So yeah. you say, "Phone goes," Same. and I'm like, "Who's that?" Yeah, exactly. Fancy a cup of tea. Distractions. Yeah. Well, there you go. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute. <laughs> pleasure and this has kind of turned into an advert for, but no for cinema in general and I'm fu- I'm, fu- I'm, fu- I'm absolutely yeah. fine with that <laughs> All, always pro cinema yeah. go see films
you've been listening to Scrooge Pits Discretion Pieces. That was episode 36, and I think most of you are still going to be here at the end. Um, again, yeah, I said, it's a good one, man. It's, it's, it's an interesting story. I'm, I'm going to be doing more of these. It, it is a risk on our part because we've suddenly got this high profile of, 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 of reaching number one a couple of times now in the iTunes chart. Um, so really what we should be doing is going, right, what's the biggest names that we can get? But that wasn't what the Distraction Pieces podcast was about initially. Initially it was about some big names, obviously that's great but also just the right interest in people and trying to trying to a lot of people have been speaking post-election um about this is this is getting deep now so please just stick around till the end a lot of people have been speaking post-election about not being happy with the news um the, the media the media controlled by the murdochs controlled by all these big people associated with government I genuinely believe that with podcasts and with the online world, we now have the opportunity to build independent networks as such. And again, this is going to sound like I'm just trying to plug uh, the podcast, but I don't think it's any a use for these things to just be uh, political. You know, people don't buy the sun a, a week in a week out and then end up being led by it when elections come about for their wonderful political insights. They buy it for all the just, to them, interesting stuff. You know, the football, the the stuff that's derogatory to women and immigrants. Um, (laughs) And just, they buy it for all those other reasons. So um, I think it's therefore important to build... And not just talking about the Distraction Pieces podcast, even with American podcasts, as I've said before, the Joe Rogan podcast I think is amazing. There's loads of there's loads of great podcasts. A full fact have their own podcast now, which is obviously a political. But in general, I think if we embrace um, these n- new forms of media and, and, and form a new a new network, then yeah, we can gradually be able to be informed in an unbiased. A manner when the when it's important to be so if 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 that makes sense um we're currently getting around ninety thousand downloads a week which is amazing so thank you all for that but imagine if each of you each week got one more person to to listen to tune in um that's not a lot a one more person is convincing your brother or your best friend or your mum and dad or anyone to to download and give it a listen Obviously, it's it's goes exponential then because, in theory, by the time the next election comes round, I will have a greater a listenership than I think the entire population on the planet. If we go in exponential on that, if each week each person adds one, so next week it's um, hundred eighty thousand, but then they all ask one more person, so it then becomes uh, three hundred and sixty thousand. Have I just done that right? Yeah, I'm a boss. Um, but yeah, again, I, I generally think that helps and I think we can build something and n- not j- j- just with this podcast. If you're not happy with um, what the media is presenting to you, hunt around and find people that are presenting what you or what is closer to what you want to hear. Um, so yeah, that's 
that's my rant at the end there. Um, thank you for checking us out. Please subscribe. It genuinely makes a difference if you subscribe. That's a, that's one of the best ways to support for free. If you subscribe, it helps us. It helps get our numbers up. We're still not really making any money from this, so it's a it's 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 a work of passion at the moment. But the more subscribers we get, the more numbers we get, the more we're at the top of the chart, the more um, sponsors we'll get, and the more we'll start to do better than break even um so thank you very much for tuning in this has been the stretch piece podcast ne- next week i've not even mentioned and uh, next week we're gonna have, have michael smiley um who's a fantastic actor and i've recorded it all already it's one of the best chats i've ever had we i had a list of stuff to talk about and i swear we got f- 40 minutes in just talk just him talking about life and the world before we got into his acting, obviously in Spaced, in Kill List, in Luther, in loads of amazing, great things. Um, so yeah, check that out. Subscribe now. That'll be next Wednesday. Until then, have a good week.